1: absolutely phenomenal. Uh so I mean this is the kind of thing that you want to turn
0: to get your guide for. Whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at getyourguide.com.
2: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds
3: you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear.
0: Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go.
2: AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech.
2: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, uh... It's Halloween. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of issues that one needs to be familiar with. You know, you need to be be careful out there as you go Uh, Uh trick-or-treating. Be careful of the cars that are driving around if you're driving. Be careful of trick-or-treaters. And, of course, be careful of the walking dead, particularly uh, the ancient Egyptian mummies. That may stir to life in their very museums mm-hmm. uh, throughout the world, and then start walking the streets uh, because they tend to be uh, they tend to be understandably pissed off.
4: Before we go to the undead uh, roaming around us, I do want to point out: do not eat those popcorn balls or candied apples. Oh, all right, folks. If okay. it's not prepackaged, don't put it in your mouth
1: because it might have a spider in it.
4: Uh, well, there have been razor blades showing up and stuff like this. People are really people are For not real. Even... Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
4: all right, but let's get to the real threat okay. here because that's just sort of a sidebar. Let's talk about the undead.
1: Yes, so the ongoing mummy crisis. I uh, mean, most of you are familiar with this. You've caught uh, you know word of it on uh, NPR, or what have you. Uh, so you have uh, these dried up bodies that were once the honored dead of ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. specially prepared for a journey into the afterlife, and. Uh, and you, you can imagine they're thinking, you know, when they lay down for their final rest, uh, they think they're going to wake up uh, in uh, Second uh, Aru, the fields of rushes. Uh, they're going to be on this, they go on this fabulous journey into the afterlife where they have all these magical powers and uh and they can sort of uh, uh, warp the world to their uh, to their desires. But instead, they're waking up in like a Baltimore museum or in some uh, German grandfather's attic, and they're upset. Uh, yeah, they're they're
4: in plexiglass. People are taking pictures of them.
1: Yeah. So, what's happening here? Why are the ancient uh, ancient Egyptian mummies coming back to life? Well, to understand this, we have to talk about uh, something that exists uh, not only in the unnatural world of mm-hmm. The Walking Dead, but in the natural world of actual organisms. And that, of course, is anhydrobiosis.
4: That's right. Before we get to anhydrobiosis, let me just mention, though, that, that the way that mummies were prepared really has a lot to do with this, with the way that they were sort of reconstituted And as we know it. Um, When we look at the Egyptian mummification process, it's a pretty amazing thing that they did, given that none of this was written down as far as we know. But we do know that after the lights were sort of shut out in the brain, that uh, the Egyptians would actually remove all internal organs from the body, sometimes keeping the heart intact. Mm -hmm. And then the body was salted for 30 days in order to remove the moisture from the body. And then they had all sorts of perfumed oils and resins uh, put on their skin, and they were wrapped several, several, several times. If they were super fancy royal people, then they got the sarcophagus, or they got, you know, some sort of painted face. So just keep that in mind when we talk about this idea of anhydrobiosis in some of the mummies that we see out there on the street.
1: Yes, uh, anhydrobiosis means life without water, and it is uh, a state of actual suspended animation in a dry, emetobiolic condition. In other words, uh, the specimen survives without water and without undergoing metamorphosis for an extended period of time.
4: Now we can look at uh, the year 1702. The father of microbiology, Anthony van Leeuwenhoek, who discovered that when dry and lifeless dust, or what looked to be lifeless dust from a gutter roof, was re- rehydrated with clean water, small, as he calls it, animalcules became active within an hour, variously adhering to the glass, sometimes creeping along it, and sometimes swimming about. So those were some of our first cues about this process.
1: Yeah, and we uh, we see various examples of this in the natural world. Um, for instance, if you've ever uh, ordered a pack of sea monkeys... You've yes. uh, you've seen uh, you've seen this now. Sea monkeys will not last in a package for ten thousand years, but uh, there there are other uh, animals and organisms and plants out there that do stretch uh, the limit a little uh, a, a little further. For instance, uh, there's, there are the so called resurrection plants. Uh, sometimes they go by the name resurrection plant, rose of Jericho, uh, sempre viva, meaning um, everlasting. And they're uh, especially uh, good at uh, anhydrobiosis. so uh, they enter a dry dormant state between the rain between rain seasons mm-hmm. that may last years and uh, elsewhere in the plant kingdom, we've seen lotus seeds that have germinated successfully after a millennium in the dust
4: yeah, that's what's so amazing about these resurrection plants is that they could go for you know years and years and years, and when it finally rains then they they sort of flower out and they absorb all of that rain. So it is this rehydration process that's amazing to me. And then we have nematode worms.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, nematode worms are um, are also uh, uh, capable of this. And actually a number of multicellular animals are known to... Uh, to, to bounce back mm-hmm. uh, after uh, this uh, extended period of dryness. Also, uh, our friends, the water bears, which we... Uh,
4: Tardigrades. Yes. I love these guys. They're about a millimeter long. They're arthropods, and uh, they're found usually in moist places like moss and lichen, but they can survive anywhere.
1: Yeah, and we we'll, we will definitely come back and do a full episode on water bears at some point in the future. Uh, because they're just too cool.
4: Yeah, they can withstand temperatures ranging from nearly absolute zero to above the boiling point of water. They can hold up to massive doses of radiation, as as NASA has found out.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, over a century, over a century without food or water, and they can even exist in the vacuum of space.
1: And to top it all off, they're kind of cute. They, they they're kind of cuddly looking. They don't really quite look like a bear. I guess they look as as much like a bear as anything on that scale. Is going to look like a bear. But yeah, they're just a-
4: chubby little cute yeah. things, and they also have the awesomeness of anhydrobiosis.
1: All right, so I know what you're saying. Well, those are plants. Those are some tiny animals. But but what about the the, the human body? Uh, is, is there any science, any natural world science, that can explain the unnatural resurrection of a dried out mummy? Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss just that.
4: Okay, we're back, and we are talking about whether or not those mummies that we're seeing in news footage—if if they are uh, just walking around because of anhydrobiosis, or if it's some sort of DARPA experiment gone wrong.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the, the thing about humans and uh, and anhydrobiosis. Though the reason that our examples involve. Uh very small animals and uh, and plant tissue is because uh, there's a great deal of uh, desiccation damage that it can occur to a tissue mm-hmm. when it's dried out, even if it's you know expertly dried out. So that even you, it's not just a simple matter of take away water and then add water back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of other things that have to be uh, in play for that to be possible.
4: That's right. There is a paper called "Anhydrobiotic Potential in Man: Implications in Medicine," which was published in Medical Hypotheses by Pereira and Lopez-Sendes.
1: Yes, uh, Brazilian uh, researchers who believe that 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 uh, anhydrobiosis is potentially uh, an area that we m- that we might exploit in order to preserve tissues. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so. I mean, we can you can get really sci-fi about it and imagine mummies being sent to other planets. Uh, to colonize it and build space pyramids. But, uh, for the most part, they're interested in terms of, uh, we have donor organs. What if you could dry those out? Right. Store those in, a in this, uh, in this, uh, this dry setting and then, Add water and implant them as needed.
5: Now, yeah, th-
4: this is their idea behind all this—that uh, mammals and humans have a cryptic anhydrobiotic ability, which they say has not been discovered yet because of an unknown specific preconditioning stage that is necessary. They're saying it's there; we just haven't discovered it. And if we can, then it could be a huge boon to the way that we um, operate on a medical level. Now, research blogger Aiden Orsten has called out a few problems with this hypothesis. So that might make you feel a little bit better about the mummies you see on the street. I don't know. Uh, He says, first, hydrobiotic survival is advantageous only if a species lives in a habitat that is periodically desiccated, meaning dehydrated. And if the species has no means of surviving the dry period. So he says with a few exceptions, and a hydrobiosis is normally seen in microscopic animals. And he says larger animals, especially as humans, um, can deal with the drying of our habitats by migrating to a wetter habitat or preventing body loss from... or or preventing water loss from their bodies. The second problem, he says, is that it's really unlikely that the ability to survive an anahy- anhydrobiosis will be retained if there's no need for it.
1: Yeah, like why keep that special feature a- around in an organism if there's no benefit to it?
4: Right, that's exactly. He was saying if a trait becomes unnecessary, it may persist, be lost, or become a vestige. But really, there's probably not this ability to reconstitute our organs.
1: Unless there's magic involved. Which is probably the case with these, uh, these, these mummies. They're, they're, so what's happening here, you know, they're, they're, roaming the street, they're forcibly removing our brains with coat hangers in some cases, and we can only assume that, uh, what's happening is atmospheric moisture raises them from their slumber in search of life-giving water and, uh, you know, a little, uh, little BCE-style vengeance.
4: So you think it's, um equal parts reconstitution with the mummies curse? They're trying to avenge the people who have put them in plexiglass and stared at them? Yeah,
1: cause they, they're, they're not supposed to be waking up to, in a Baltimore museum or a German attic, they're supposed to be waking up in the afterlife, <laughs> or at least wake up in their tombs with all their stuff still there. But they're on the other side of the globe. You're right. You know, it's uh, it's, it's it's upsetting, and the violence is understandable.
4: Particularly the Egyptian mummies, right? Because yeah. they really bought into this idea of the afterlife as a beautiful thing, not necessarily a scary thing like we do more in our modern day accounts of the afterlife. Yeah.
1: Alright, well let's move on to another, uh, organism, uh, that you may encounter this Halloween. Another creature of the unnatural world mm-hmm. that we can, uh, discuss with examples from the natural world. And that, of course, is the troll. Now you, uh, you, 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 originate from, uh, Michigan, from the northern United States. Yes. Do you have trolls in Michigan?
4: Hmm. Well, not that I know of, but I have to rethink some of the terrain because I was looking at Oslo-born folklorist Lise Lung-Larsen, who lives in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the author of The Troll with No Heart in His Body. And she says that troll remains are found all over the place in Minnesota, which makes me really want to go Whoa. back to Michigan and check this out. She says that if you look at piles of rocks, that could be burst trolls and we'll talk more about that Gnarled tree roots are uh, especially prevalent and those are ancient trolls and then strange land formations that could be actually the supine troll bodies so you could actually see perhaps some of the vertebrae of that troll worked into the landscape because so they're everywhere we're just not looking for them
1: <laughs> Well yeah it makes me want to go on like a, the, the troll uh, tour of Minnesota yeah. Uh, they,
4: if anybody is listening in uh, Minnesota, and you guys need a boost there in your tourism, you got to do that.
1: Yeah, get on it. Yeah. All right. So trolls are are interesting organisms. We start looking at the the different uh, tales that uh, that uh, inform us about them. Um, for instance, um, you know, we're all familiar with sort of the idea of a grotesque hulking troll, uh, this monstrous ogre-like beast. But uh, did you know that uh, according to some accounts, uh, the troll wives are sometimes beautiful redheads.
4: I've heard about this. In fact, I think that you did a blog post about this, warning people of this, and you actually uh, had a reference picture of Christina Hendricks.
1: Yes, she might be a troll wife. Uh, you know, she, she looks beautiful. She looks human. She's but, got the red hair. Right. But if you approach her, then a large male troll might attack you.
4: You know what I love about this trope is that it perfectly plays into the old trope of the, the hooker with the john and the pimp. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you know, you lure in a customer and, and then the customer's wallet gets stolen. It's sort of the same thing with these trolls.
1: Yeah, and if uh, if we're to to try and understand this scenario, because ultimately we're talking about another species mm-hmm. in which one gender of the species looks like a gender of our species. That it seems kind of crazy, but uh, we see similar uh, situations in the natural world and we call it aggressive mimicry. Uh, not unlike that practiced by uh, female uh, Photinus fl- uh, fireflies. They mimic the mating dances of uh, Photinus uh, ignitus fireflies and they lure them in and then devour them. Uh, so the fam- female troll may appear as a beautiful woman as a means of attracting male humans, uh, which they're Menfolk then, you know, brutalize and, and or eat.
4: Yeah, and now a, a less uh, aggressive act, of course, you can look at the the Viceroy butterflies, mm-hmm. which actually mimic the same color and patterning of the monarch butterflies, which are toxic. Um, of course, we don't have any luring in here, but you see all these examples in nature where uh, creatures can sort of morph a little bit or they can mimic in order to either survive or attack.
1: Yeah, the African swallowtail butterfly actually has like several different female morphs that exist uh, within the species. There's some uh, that, that, that look like another butterfly species. There are some that look more like, uh, that are more masculine in appearance. Um, it's, uh, I think in all told, there are 14 different varieties of morphs uh, in that particular species. It's pretty amazing.
4: It really is. Yeah. I mean, to, can you imagine being able to morph into something like 14 different looks for yeah, yourself? Or
1: there, yeah, 14 different varieties of, uh, of, of female, like mor- morpho- morphologically distinct. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. But in the insect world, you quickly find that what seems crazy in the human world, what something that is the stuff of folktales in the human world, is mm-hmm. just everyday life in the insect world.
4: Right, and it makes that troll, the, the female troll masquerading as Christina Hendricks, seem really sort of like pretty you know 101 yeah. comparison all right we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we're going to talk about the troll hunter 2010 documentary
2: hey sarah i loved love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was edited so well
6: Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
0: Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it.
3: Go to blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Hey, we're back. Uh, so we're talking about trolls. We're talking about uh, ways that we can look to the natural world to understand denizens of the unnatural world. And so, with trolls, probably, you probably—you know—most people are not that familiar with the whole troll wife uh, situation. But, but far more likely, you know that sunlight will turn them to stone.
4: Yeah, these are subterranean creatures. Uh, they cannot be out in daylight. There are a couple of different theories that were put forward, and we have seen some of the effects of them actually exposed to light in, I say, the documentary Troll Hunter from 2010. And uh, this was dealing with the Norwegian trolls, the Jotners, the Ringlefinches. And the Taser Lad, oh, as well as the Mountain Kings.
1: Yeah, according to the film, the nocturnal troll cannot convert vitamin D, which um, you know most of us in the daylit world receive from sunlight. They can't uh, convert that into calcium. So when the troll absorbs vitamin D from direct sunlight or UV rays, their bodies rapidly suffer from acute vitamin D toxicity, or um, we also call this uh, hypervitaminosis D.
4: And we see this in humans, right?
1: Yeah, this is uh, in the natural world. This is an actual, real thing. Um, The causes uh, are typically you're looking at an excess of vitamin D that abnormally boosts levels of calcium in the blood. It can severely damage bones, soft Mm -hmm. tissues, and kidneys over time. And it's uh, almost uh, always caused by forms of vitamin D that need a doctor's prescription. So generally, what's happening is you're taking too much vitamin D as a supplement, Mm -hmm. and you're experiencing uh, stuff like uh, you know these symptoms, but also constipation, decreased. appetite, uh, et cetera. And generally, the way you fix it is you stop taking all that extra vitamin D.
4: Now, we don't know about the constipation in trolls, but we do know that in younger trolls, the excess vitamin D causes an intense and painful buildup for gas in its stomach and veins, and this results in a full body fragmentation.
1: Yeah. In other words, they explode. Exploding troll all over the place. Now, in the older trolls, though, uh, according to, to Troll Hunter, uh, the veins are too constricted. They cause uh, the expansion to occur in the creature's bones. And this reaction causes the creature's entire body to calcify, to turn into stone, uh, to use the language of folklore.
4: Yes. Now, this is all, all good and well, uh, but they are roaming among us, so it's something to look out for, especially the Christina Hendricks of them.
1: Yeah, watch out for the for the for the troll wives. Um, and uh, you know, you mentioned a uh, wife swap. When I wonder if we're going to. I know they have wife swap as mm-hmm. a TV show. They have celebrity wife swap. Have they considered troll wife swap as a television show? Well,
4: I've, I'm sure you've seen some of the buzz on the internet that, that there's <laughs> been some um, theories put forth that there have been troll wives on there already. We just Ooh. didn't know it because, again, of their aggressive mimicry.
1: Ah, well, that's going to make uh, my rewatching of those series all the, all the more uh, interesting now.
4: Yeah. So, you know, you got your mummy friends out there. Uh, we should treat them kindly because, again, they, they didn't want to be something that we just gawked at, uh, in museums or, as you say, in German attics. And, uh, we have learned a lot from, from mummies. I mean, we've been able to look at their DNA and look at disease. We've been able to, to even look at their diets. Um, yeah. You know, so they've given us a lot. We need to, Give them a hand back.
1: They are gifts to science and gifts to archaeology, even as they sometimes strangle archaeologists and scientists.
4: Uh, Trolls, on the other hand, as we know, just on the Internet, they're there to be avoided. They're they're not giving us much.
1: Yeah. I I don't know why so many of them have uh, Internet connections. I mean, because they're under bridges, even like if they're using wireless, uh, it's got to disrupt their signal a bit.
4: You know, these these are things that we should probably look at certain corporations and begin to ask them questions about why they're able to have access. Yes, right? why I are mean- you granting
1: Internet access to trolls, to nocturnal monsters?
4: Mm-hmm. I, I think there's know. something that we could uncover yeah, here. They're probably
1: sending the wives into the store to get them. That's my, my bet. That's the other perk of that kind of mimicry, is you can use, you then use the wife uh, that appears human to infiltrate uh, you know human systems.
4: Wow. This is, yeah, I mean, I, I the think roof that, off of I'm telling you, I was about to say, as a woman, I, I would never say, don't trust another woman, but I'm going to look twice the next time that I exit that office door, and I look at my, my female coworkers, because possibly they could be exhibiting this aggressive mimicry. Yes. Latter milk.
1: <laughs> All right, well, there you go. Um couple of uh, unnatural creatures uh, that we are looking at through the guise of natural science uh, so let us know what you think about all that uh, particularly trolls uh, particularly mummies and the possible science behind them as explored in uh, various bits of media we'd love to hear from you and uh, and certainly we hope everyone out there has a, a happy Halloween uh, if you want to uh, check out other Halloween related stuff that we've put out and we Tend to put out Halloween related stuff all year long. This just how we, we do it. You can go to StuffToBlowYourMind.com. Uh, that's our mothership. You can also uh, go to uh, various social media outlets including Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr.
4: And you can always get in touch with us, and you can do so by sending us an email at BlowTheMind at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics,
2: visit HowStuffWorks.com. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's
3: called ZikaZoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's kids safe, COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.
5: Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com.
6: Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms.